Good morning. I'm Pastor Brian, one of the teaching pastors here. It's great to have you here today in, in this Christmas season. We're starting a new series today called He Will Be Called. And some of you might possibly recognize where those words come from. They come from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to do this series for this month on the Isaiah 9, 6 prophecy. And some of you say, what is the Isaiah 9-6 prophecy? Well, let me bring you to it right now. If you have a Bible, you can turn here. Or if you have a Bible app, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is in the Old Testament. This is one of those cool prophecies in the Old Testament written more than 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. And here's what it says. The prophet Isaiah said, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy is about Jesus, right? Yeah, this prophecy is about, you're like, well, I don't know, you tell me. You're the pastor. Okay, I'm telling you then. This prophecy is about Jesus, written hundreds of years before Jesus even came to the earth. In fact, I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read a little bit of context for this. I I love this whole whole passage, and, and I encourage you to study it and read it for yourself as well. But earlier in this passage, in chapter 9, it says this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Now, I read that this morning in the, in the first service here, and I thought, wow, that really applies to 2020. How many of you are ready for 2020 to be over? Can I see some hands? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a year, at least that, since I've been alive, these 29 years of my life. <laughs> that's not supposed to be that funny. It's not to, supposed to be that obvious that that's a joke, but all right, I gotcha. This, these almost 49 years of my life, I don't remember a year so crazy as this year, 2020. It's been a crazy year. So let me read this again. It says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Amen. And this is not just about 2020, but all throughout world history, there is just dysfunction and darkness and despair in the world. And that's what Jesus came to solve This prophecy is about Jesus. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which is where Jesus is from, when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. This is a prophecy about Jesus, written more than 700 years before Jesus came. I love this passage. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And I want you to know, Pastor Jared and his team puts up these lights every year, and they outdo all the other campuses. You need to know, Leighton, you guys go to the campus that is the, that is the uh, envy of every other campus at Alpine Church. Every other campus, they see these pictures, and I was like, oh, man, i got to put more trees up there. I helped Riverdale this year. My wife and I helped Riverdale, and I was cursing Jared in the Leighton campus because of all the trees we have just to try to keep up with you guys. So all these lights, all these beautiful lights, and, and I, I really do love it. But I want you to know that these lights represent the light of the world. The reason we put lights up, and I I want you to think of this this year whenever you see lights 
in the neighborhoods or in your home, in your own home. I want you to think of Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That light is Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about all month long. And that's what we talk about all year long at Alpine. If you're new, this is Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the head of this church. He is who we focus on all the time. But this month, we're going to focus on baby Jesus. And i got to say something about lights. How many of you can't stand putting up Christmas decorations or lights? Let's just be honest. God knows our hearts already. Thank you. I see those hands all around. Some of, you, some of you women are like sad that some of us are raising our hands right now. And you're judging us. Fine. And, but you guys m- might know my story. It's a constant battle. Every year this time of year, it's a battle between my wife and I. Because she always wants to put up more lights and more trees. And she wants to be festive. And our kids are so blessed that they don't have a single dad at home. Because we, w- we would have terrible Christmas you know, cheer. There'd be no Christmas cheer at all. Tracy makes it so wonderful in our home. And the inside is her territory. And so she decorates and just spends all day, the day after Thanksgiving, decorating the inside. And it's beautiful. And you would love it if you came into our home. And I even love it. I admit, I love sitting there. It's very festive. I don't have a problem with it all being up. I have a problem with putting it all up. Right? knowing that I'm going to have to take it all down in, thir- in, in three weeks. So every year, but Tracy says, you know, Brian, it's time. Let's, you, I help out on the outside. you got to help out, and let's put it up. And so for these last 10 years, I've been working really hard to just take one more light strand away every year. You know, like, Trace, we don't really need the lights on that bush anymore. You know, nobody's really going to notice. So if you, if you saw a time lapse of our, the front of our home over the last 10 years, you would laugh because it would just be fewer and fewer lights every year. Yeah, some of you are looking at me like, I am finding another church to go to. That's fine. But just hang, bear with me. All of this until just a couple weeks ago when some friends who are actually sitting in the service right now, so I hope the Holy Spirit convicts them of this, they came over at night And they looked at our home, and they judged me. They were like, you're a pastor. You should have more lights up on your house. And that was just going to be our own little secret. Nobody needed to know about that. Certainly my wife didn't need to hear about this. But that word got to my wife that that, that these Alpiners who came to our church and loved Jesus that they thought we should have more lights up. And it, it was a crisis in our marriage for a couple of days. Until my wife won. And now if you drive by our house, you will see lights up more than we've ever had before on the front of our house. Yeah, some of you are like really happy. I notice it's the women that are really happy. You're like, there's hope. The women can win this battle. Well, they, the, wom- the woman won the battle in our home. But, you know, I, I, all joking aside, I look at this and I say, I do, I, something did strike me when I thought, yeah, you know, he said, you're a pastor, you should have lights on at your house. And I thought about that biblically, and I'm like, is that really biblical? And then I read Isaiah 9 too. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And I do, I do want my neighbors to see. I, I do want them to see my house and to, and to say, yeah, these guys celebrate Christmas. I've got neighbors that celebrate Halloween like nobody's business. They put up all kinds of weird stuff in their yard. And then at Christmas time, they don't put anything up. And I want to be someone who is, I'm not against Halloween, but I want to be someone who's celebrating the light of the world who came 
at this time of year. And so I am happy that we're doing this. And I do want the light of Christ to shine in my neighborhood. And I want to be a part of that. And the light is Jesus. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Every week we're going to take a new one of these words, and so today we're going to look at Wonderful Counselor. And I want to start with this. Jesus really is a wonder. Everything about him is distinct and amazing. He invites you to experience a life filled with wonder. I don't know if you're someone who really experiences wonder in your everyday life or if you're a little bit more like, a, like I am. I'm a math guy. And so I think if you're an engineer or an accountant or a math guy, maybe you're not someone who allows yourself to experience wonder. Some of you maybe very much do. I, we, my kids laugh at the difference between my wife and I, how we open our presents. My wife just is like, oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for these socks, you know. And I look at this thing, you know, and even if it's an awesome present, I, don't, I just don't express wonder. Some of you maybe can relate to me. Some of you can maybe relate to my wife. But, but I want you, I hope today as we look at as we look at these points and as we unpack the wonderful counselor who is Jesus, I hope you would just get a glimpse of the wonder of Jesus this morning. And not just this morning, but all month long. Here's the first thing. We're going to talk about three things that are wonderful about Jesus. First, his words are wonderful. His revolutionary teachings have crossed cultural barriers in over 1,400 languages. I don't know if you realize that. The words of Jesus are wonderful. The older I get, the more I read the Bible, the more I marvel at God's wisdom, at his word. This is a book that is over 2,000 years old and is still so relevant today. AJ, my son, and I, we've been reading through First and Second Timothy together, he'll read a chapter on his own and read his commentary. I'll do the same thing in the morning, and then we'll come together at night, and we'll say, right, we'll just open up the chapter for the day. We'll say, what'd you get out of it? And we'll sit there sometimes for an hour and talk about this thing. And some of you are like, how boring of a dad are you, right? It is not boring. It's unbelievable to, to sit here and to open up God's word together and to and to look at it and see what jumps off the page for each of us. God's words are incredible. Let me just read a few of those to you from Matthew chapter 5. The most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, starts in Matthew chapter 5. Let me just read some of these teachings of Jesus that are revolutionary, that have changed the world. They've changed your world. They've changed your culture. You might not even realize it. You know, one of the things that's amazing to me is our culture that we live in today is not a Christian culture anymore. It's sad to say, but it's true. It's not a Christian culture. But even someone who, who turns his back on God and, and is a self-proclaimed atheist has to admit that their world is shaped by Jesus' words. And here are some of those words. Jesus says, you've heard that, your, that our ancestors were told you must not murder. He says, but I say, even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. He's talking about our, our faith going deeper than just a checklist. Our faith going deeper than just a bunch of rules, religious rules. Jesus comes and he says this. You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the crime, right? Maybe you've heard of this before. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. In other words, if, if I shoot out your eye with my Red Rider BB gun, you can shoot out my eye. 
Seems right, seems fair, That's, that seems just. But here's what Jesus said. But I say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Who says that? A revolutionary. He says, you've heard the, the, law, the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, but I say, love your enemy. Who says that? Pray for those who persecute you. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He said, instead, store up treasures for yourself in heaven. This is why we give. This is why we unashamedly invite you to give to people like Logan and Abby, to give at Alpine, and some of that giving goes to Logan and Abby, and we say, give on top of that. This is why we say, even in a year like this, when, we, when we've, we're severely under budget in terms of our giving, when we came together as a leadership team and we said, hey, are we going to still do Missions Week? Are we going to still shoot for $80,000 for mission week, Missions Week to help out people all around the world? And one of our leaders, thank God for one of our leaders, he said, well, people need it more than ever before. So yes, of course. And this is why we do this, because we're not storing up treasures on earth, but we're storing them up in heaven. And this is why we think you should give, because when you give, then your money is no longer controlling you. When you give, this is what Jesus taught, when you give, you're, you have freedom. In our culture, we say, if I have more money, I have more freedom. no. No, Jesus says if you give, you'll actually have more freedom. That's a revolutionary thought. And then Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. I love this. What a teaching. For those of you who have anxiety right now from 2020, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. They'll change your life. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. What a, what a teacher. What a wonderful counselor. Jesus is a counselor that's better than any therapist you could ever go to. Jesus' words can change your life. One last thing. Maybe you didn't even know that this was, these were the words of Jesus. You've heard the golden rule before. Our kids learn the golden rule in secular public school. Jesus is the one who taught it in this sermon. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. What a rule to live by. Could you imagine how different our world would be if everyone would just follow the golden rule? That's a revolutionary teaching. It's not eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's not do to others what they did to you. It's do to others what you would like them to do to you. In other words, you lead by example. You step out. If, somebody, if somebody's mean to you, if somebody gossips about you, don't gossip about them. If somebody's spiteful, if, if somebody hurts you, don't hurt them back. No, do to others what you would like them to do to you. And if all the followers of Jesus would do this, our world would be changed because Jesus' words are wonderful. His teachings are wonderful. And at the end of this, in chapter 7, Matthew 7, when Jesus had finished preaching this sermon, and I just read you some excerpts from the sermon, but it says that the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus wasn't just someone who said things. He's someone who lived them. He wasn't just book smart. He, was, he wasn't just book smart. He was life smart. And so can we be if we follow this wonderful counselor who is Jesus. But it's not just his words that, is one, that are wonderful. It's his actions too. Everywhere Jesus went, he amazed people with his ability to bring healing and wholeness. I don't know if you've ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The first four books of the New Testament are the, called the Gospels. They're the stories 
of Jesus' exploits on the earth. And so we're just gonna, we're gonna read just a little bit of that so you can see the actions of Jesus. And I hope somehow it would stir up this sense of amazement and wonder for you because it's, I think it's easy to sometimes grow stale in our faith. It says in Matthew 15, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee. Remember Isaiah prophesied that this light would come out of the land of Galilee? Jesus was from Galilee. And he climbed a hill and he sat down. And a vast crowd brought him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. And it says, the crowd was amazed. That was the wonder that they experienced. The crowd was amazed. Those those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking. And the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. I don't know if you've ever seen a miracle before. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I think if you were there that day, I think if we were there that day, I think if we had footage of that day, which we don't, I think if we had footage of that day, I think we would, it, would, it would speak to us, and I think we would, we would begin to viscerally live what they experienced, if you've ever seen someone healed, then I think you can begin to get the picture of how amazing the actions of Jesus are, how wonderful the actions of Jesus are. I've, I've been privileged to see a couple of healings in my own life. Jesus still heals today, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Many of us have never experienced it or witnessed it. I've experienced it a couple of times in my life, once when I was in high school and, and another time up at, right up at our Logan campus and it's unbelievable to see a healing. But the next best thing is to see someone who is healed by medical science. And I think it'll give you a picture of wonder. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's some cool videos out on YouTube about people who had ocular implants and were able to hear for the very first time. And they recorded their reaction. Take a look. And he loves you. It's so easy to take for granted what we have. I mean, people who've always been able to hear, most of us have always been able to hear, but when we see that, we're like, oh, I, I, like we can just start to put ourselves in their shoes and realize, man, that would be incredible. You've never heard before. You saw this, yeah, even little Cooper, a little kid who's never heard, you know, ah, that's what Tracy looks like when she opens presents, you know? Like, ah, yeah, yeah. Wonder, amazement, true joy, why? Because something they've never really experienced before, something that they've never taken for granted, all of a sudden they have. We have Jesus, but I think we can take Jesus for granted. We, we have, so many of us have, have put faith, our faith in Christ and Jesus has done incredible things in our lives. Just the most incredible thing is he saved us from our sins from our sin and our brokenness in our lives, that he's given us forgiveness and and freedom. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, we're gonna offer that to you today. You can have that too. That's what these prophecies are about. It's, It's not just about him healing. It's about the ultimate healing that he performs for us, and that's a spiritual healing. That that when the Bible says that when we trust in Jesus for salvation, that he that he gives us, he freely offers us his forgiveness. It's not based on 
uh, your ability to do good things or make up for the bad things you've done in your life. No, the Bible says that, and this is what the light really is about, the Bible says that he brings light into our dark hearts. The darkness in our world isn't just in our world, it's in us. And he brings forgiveness and freedom and healing and salvation. And this is what Jesus does. But many of us who are Christians, and we've been through this before, and I admit this is me, that Christmas is a time where it's the same old story. And it's easy for me to take it for granted. May we not take it for granted. May we remember the, the, the wonder of this time of year. You know, as a family, what we do at Christmas time after we open our presents and all that stuff is we come together and, and, and we actually review the year. And we say, what are we, let's share about some things that we're just grateful for from the year. And it gives us an opportunity to do what we saw just a glimpse of right there. It gives us an opportunity to just marvel at what Jesus did for us this year, even in 2020, even in 2020. And I challenge you to do that same thing. Let's finish with this last thing. The birth of Jesus is wonderful. I mean, think about it. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time. We celebrate the fact that the creator of the universe loves us enough to show up in our broken world. This is what Christmas is. Man, may we as Christians who've grown up with the story of Christmas, may we as Christians see it with fresh eyes of wonder this year. May I see it with fresh eyes of wonder that the creator of the universe broke into our broken world and he came to live among us. He was born in a, in a, in a stinky manger. Like may we, may we, when we're putting up those decorations this year, may we look at that and say, God, show me what that really must have been like. God, may I, may I not take it for granted this year. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 2, verse 16. It says, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And then it says this. I like this. It says, And all who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. Jesus, the birth of Jesus is a wonder the God of the universe became Emmanuel. And Isaiah 7 says, Emmanuel means God with us. God didn't send a prophet like Moses or Isaiah. God didn't send just angels. God came himself into our world. He invaded our broken, dysfunctional world. He made his home among us to bring light to our darkness. That is the wonderful counselor who is Jesus.